Sunday night edition of the Crash the Pond podcast. Folks, it finally happened. We got the announcement today that the NHL season will be starting on January 13th. And for the Anaheim Ducks, their training camp will be beginning on December 30th. So the NHL and the NHLPA, they've agreed return to play format is in the books. And we're getting ready to roll here, Jake. You must be a little excited. I'm very excited. It's been what nine months, ten months almost since we've we've had Ducks hockey. It's been a long time since we've been able to see Ryan Getzloff on the ice. It's been a long time since we've been able to see Ricard Raquel, John Gibson, Cam Fowler, Josh Manson, Hamp Slindom, all of our favorites on the ice. And whether you are Team Tank, whether you are Team Make the Playoffs, it doesn't matter. We all love this team. We all support this team. And it's been a long, long offseason, a long-awaited return since March. Who would have thought that the last game against the St. Louis Blues, the makeup game from the Jay uh, Bowmeister tragedy, uh, that that would be the last uh, vision that we would have of the Ducks on the ice uh, for nine months? It's, it's, it, it's, 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 actually, it's actually kind of mind-boggling just to think of everything that's happened since then how our lives have been completely turned on their heads changed, and changed completely. Yeah. And I mean, for, for those of us, for, for those who might not completely get it for Jake and I, we were doing this podcast regularly for, I think almost three, this would have been our third season, the 1920 season. Yeah. And, and so getting, you know, getting that taken away and going without it for almost a year, it, it actually kind of affected a, the beat a little bit of, of our lives and, and just kind of being so used to covering this team with regularity. So it's going to be nice to be well, back. Well, who, also, who knows? I don't I don't mm-hmm. know if we've ever actually done a Crash the Pond podcast about a Ducks game. No, we haven't. I think yep. that when we left Anaheim calling and started crash the pond, it was after the, the stop had happened. And we thought maybe it would be like a month stoppage. Who knew, who knew what it would actually become. And so when the ducks start January 13th, 14th, 15th, whenever the first game actually ends up being, that will be the first time that crash the pond will have covered a ducks game. Yes, that's a big that, deal. That's true. That's true. I hadn't even thought about that. I it's funny be- until right now. It's funny that you mentioned that because there's so much... Uh, Jeff Merrick, the host of the 31 Thoughts podcast along with Ellie Freeman, always says that COVID has accelerated a lot of elements of people's lives and getting onto different things more quickly. And during during the initial phases is when we uh, moved away from our old home and created the site and where we've been podcasting ever since. So <laughs> it uh, it's funny how that worked out for us. Yeah. Yep. Exciting times, though. Very, very exciting times. And we're excited to see what we can do for all of you with Crash the Pond. It's going to be a little bit different. I mean, we're not really diving into fully how we're going to do it, but um, it's going to be a little different from what we used to do with covering games, but it's going to be fun. It'll it'll resemble... So for those of you who uh, were listening before, before all the shutdowns, before the season stopped, we... At that point, we were doing, I would say, up to two podcasts a week. So definitely one and sometimes we would get a post gamer in years ago we would do post games for every game and as time has gone on we've kind of settled in on a couple a week i would i would say right now we are most likely to just keep our current beat sunday nights and if maybe there's a big game with uh 
some big storylines coming out of it. Maybe we'll do an instant reaction if possible. But I would say for right now, if you're a listener of the show, just expect us to keep the regular beat. I think it's it, it works well for both of us, and it, it allows news to trickle in. Because let's be honest, Jake, looking at these divisional alignments, there might be some rough ones to talk about this season. And I don't know if, yeah. if we want to do that, if we want to have that whole experience again of, of uh, talking about some some pretty tough yeah. blowouts like we have that, in the past. Yeah, we definitely have. So let's just get right into it. So yep. we're the way that we're going to do this, by the way, is there's actually an article that will come out on the website tomorrow that I wrote that's kind of going to do a very similar thing what we're doing now. Um, so keep an eye out for that if you want to see the written form of kind of what we're going to be doing on this podcast. But we're going to break down a bunch of different pieces from the return to play and how it's going to impact the Ducks. So the first big piece, th- this is one that we've talked about, but now we have it in official writing. And actually, it's a little different. I'm kind of excited that it's a little different than what we had been seeing because it allows us to talk about it again in the updated schedule and realignment. So We're going to have a 56-game season starting on January 13th. Um, The realignment is going to happen. I believe the only potential hitch in that plan is whether the Canadian government allows for inter-province or cross-province travel, and that may be a hang-up for the all-Canadian division. If the all-Canadian division does not happen, there may be some... The realignment may not happen. There's a lot up in there. But I think for now, we're going to work under the assumption that the realignment's going to happen. The all-Canadian division's going to happen. Yeah, and and I don't... I don't think the NHL would be publicizing it to this degree Agreed. with the divisions Agreed. if they were so uncertain. Agreed. I, I 100% agree with that. And so um, basically the realignment is going to put the Ducks in a division with the Sharks, Kings, Coyotes, Golden Knight, Avalanche. And the big mix-up is for a long time we thought it was going to be the Wild and Stars. Then we heard Stars and Blues. And now it's flipped and it's the Wild and the Blues. So it's the Ducks, Sharks, Kings, Coyotes, Golden Knights, Avalanche, Wild, and Blues all in the West Division. So, and let me just run through the other divisions. Obviously, the North, the All-Canadian Division is going to be Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Vancouver, Winnipeg. The Central is going to be Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, Tampa Bay. And the East is going to be Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, New York Islanders, New York Rangers, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington. So, First off, or let me just add this in there with the 56 game schedule uh, and this schedule being purely divisional, um, the Ducks will be playing all the teams in their division. I believe it's eight times is what the amount would come out to. Let me just redo that math really quickly. But 56 over seven is eight. So, yes, the Ducks will be playing the star or not the stars, the wild, the blues, the Golden Knights, the avalanche, all these teams eight times throughout the season. So. First off, what are your thoughts on the format, the divisions, and impact on the Ducks? I kind of love it, just from a pure entertainment perspective, because playing teams eight times a year, there's going to be some bad blood. There's going to be some teams that grow a very strong distaste for each other, uh, and I'm excited for that. I think within the Ducks division, the West, there's definitely some potential rivalries that are going to or existing rivalries that are going to blossom. I think the Kings-Ducks could be a fun one, two teams that are kind of in transition. And as for the other divisions, I think the Canadian division is going to be a blast. I think it's going to be a fun one, just getting to see those teams go at it. So, I mean, think about Edmonton and Calgary, for example, playing each other eight times a year. So it's all well and good. And weirdly, I'm excited for the Central, because it's kind of this mashup of teams that we haven't really seen in a division before, in the same division before. So... 
I'm a huge fan of it. The entire thing is going to be fun, and of course, it, it's functional for the current uh, ecosystem that we're in with travel and restrictions. As far as how it affects the Ducks, I can't really sit here and tell our listeners that this is a great thing for the Ducks. The Ducks' previous divisional alignment with the Canadian teams in, as opposed to some of these central teams like the Avalanche, the Wild, the Blues coming in, was a lot better for them because, let's face it, some of those Canadian teams have been pretty mediocre in years past, and that's that's kind of softened the blow of the Ducks' rebuild. Now they don't have that at all. They're going to be facing... I mean, on most nights, they're going to be facing either a team that's content, trying to make the playoffs, that has young talent that's trying to come back up, or just legit potential Stanley Cup contenders. So there's really not going to be any nights off, unless maybe you want to say the Coyotes or the Sharks. But this is a cutthroat division, and the way that the Ducks roster is currently built, I can't really see them faring too well against the Golden Knights, the Blues, the Avalanche on a, on a regular basis. So this is going to be tough, but as you, I mean, not to give away your article, but this is something that we've discussed in the past. This is going to be a, a really good litmus test for where the Ducks are in their progression because mm-hmm. right now we've only seen them really struggle. We've only seen them kind of try to transition out of this rebuild, and now they're just going to get fed to the Wolves, and we're going to find out. Yeah how that's going to go, sink or swim. And just for that alone, I think it's good because it's going to accelerate the timeline. If the Ducks are able to to hack hack it in this division and they're able to sneak into the playoffs or at least put on a respectable showing, maybe finish just outside the playoffs, then I think that that's... I think everyone walks away feeling really good about the season, even though Bob Murray will publicly say that it's the veterans' fault or whatever the case may be. And then if they don't make it, if things go uh, south as kind of some of these analytical models are predicting with the Ducks finishing well out of the playoffs, then I think questions have to be answered. You have to have potential personnel changes. You have to have trades, firings. I mean, I'm not saying that heads have to roll all over the place, but you you can't just ignore this team's weaknesses anymore. So you can't it's a good say thing. That they, you can't say they're going to make the playoffs next year if that happens. You need to start making actual changes. In so, a, in a, well, just just to kind of round things out, I just wanted yeah. to say that in a roundabout way, if you're if you're a diehard fan of this team or a casual fan, whatever the case may be, I think you have to view this alignment as a positive for the yes. big picture of the Ducks mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. either way, this will get them to their ultimate destination. Yes, one hundred percent. So. Let me. I, I want to throw this out there because I actually, in the article, I, I mentioned this. But the three teams that are leaving the division in the Flames, the Oilers, and uh, the Canucks, they were all 15th or lower in expected goals for percentage last season, with the Flames being the best of that group at 15th. The Canucks and Oilers were, or the Oilers were 21st, and the Canucks were 22nd in terms of ex- expected goals for percentage. So none of these teams were necessarily juggernauts. <laughs> and they're being replaced by the Blues, who were 14th in the league in expected goals for percentage. So fairly close to the Flames if you're just looking for five-on-five play for the Blues. But we also should note the Blues won the Cup two years ago, so maybe that factors in slightly. Um, the Minnesota Wild also coming in. This one is the one that probably a lot of people will think it's will a, be a, it's a It's a wild card. It, it's a wild card, but a lot of people will say, oh, the Ducks can contend with the Wild for that fourth spot. 
I don't know if people understand how good the Wild were last year. The main issue for the Wild is that they didn't necessarily have finishers. They were kind of where the Hurricanes were a couple years ago, where they were able to drive play at an extremely high rate, but didn't have the talent to necessarily finish their chances, and they had awful goaltending. Um, and now that they've brought in Cam, T- Cam Talbot, they have Kaprizov coming in, or Kaprizov, however you pronounce it, uh, potentially Marco Rossi coming in. The Wild are a team that could be very good. So just so everyone knows, they were fourth in the league last year in expected goals, four percentage. So they were actually better than the Colorado Avalanche. The Avalanche were eighth in the league. So you have the 14th, eighth, and fourth team in the league in expected goals, four percentage coming into the league or coming into the division. You have the, and you have the 15th, 21st, and 22nd all leaving. So from that perspective, it makes the the route tougher. And But the thing is, I agree with you completely. This should be viewed as a positive thing. One of the biggest knocks on the Ducks for the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years, even when they were good, is that they had an awful division. And, and they were able to yeah. pad those stats, pad those wins. You're not able to do that in this division where you have the Avalanche and the, the Golden Knights, two of the top teams in the league that you're going to have to be playing eight times. It, it also like, it also didn't help that as soon as the Ducks would face a central team in the playoffs, they would tend to lose, but that's yeah. neither here nor well, there. Well, no, they beat Winnipeg. They beat the Jets. Uh, okay. Okay. They beat hey, the Jets. H- hang your hat on that one. Go, go, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, they, they beat the Jets. Who else did they beat? Uh, I'm spacing now, whatever. Regardless, um regardless from all that is that they have a tough division now and like you said this is a win-win either they're able to and here's the thing even though yes it's a shortened season it's a 56 game season it's going to be a sprint not a marathon this year and yes you could see some funky things happen that go against the grain some smoke and mirrors type of things with this division in order to make the playoffs with that quality of team uh essentially you have four of the top uh half of the half teams in the league um in your division, you have to play well every night to be able to make it. Regardless, uh, there's no way of lucking yourselves necessarily to these playoffs. Maybe I'll eat those words. Maybe that will come back. Well, there's always a chance of that. There's a chance, but I think it's it's, unlikely when you have such a tough division. So overall, this is a win-win. Either the Ducks make it and they prove that they are actually on their way up, um, but or it all falls apart and they actually realize, okay, we're in a tough division. We are not doing well. We need to make whole sweeping changes. And, and you, so this overall is a good thing. Do you mind if I put you on the spot right now? Sure, go for it. So just to be very clear, it's four teams out of this group get in? Yes, so that's also something to note is that four teams. So with the playoff, the playoffs will be purely divisional. Also, the Ducks, by the way, George uh, brings up, they beat Dallas a, couple, uh, a while ago in the playoffs, so another central team, just throwing that out there. But, um, yes, the, the playoffs will be purely divisional. So the way the playoffs will work is the top four from each division make the playoffs, um, and then one v one or first seed of that division will play the fourth seed, second seed plays the third seed, and so it will be purely divisional. There will only be crossover once you hit the cup semifinal. So... Uh, congratulations, Canada. You now have a cup semifinalist guaranteed. <laughs> Don't know what to say. Okay, but back to you being on the spot. Will the Ducks be one of these four teams to come out of the West? Gun to my head, no. Wow. Really? The The four it, spots are St. Saint Louis, Ve- Saint Louis, Vegas, Colorado, Minnesota. So I haven't really done a deep dive to make my official predictions. We'll probably do some kind of uh, season preview podcast once we get a little closer to the actual yeah. puck drop. Yep. But 
looking at it just right now, I think there's a potential downside for the Blues. I think they could potentially fall off. They lost Petrangelo. Does Tory Krug come in and You're right. and and fill in some of that? But then you have the Wild, who have upward mobility, and you still have the Golden Knights and Avalanche, who are known commodities, I would say. So the teams that the Ducks can reasonably surpass would be the Sharks, Kings, and Coyotes, and I think they have enough in the tank they, to to do that to be better than those three teams. The problem is they still need to beat out one of the four teams that we just talked about: Knights, Avalanche, Wild, Blues, and that's that's where this all comes down to. So they have to win the games that they quote unquote should and scratch out enough wins against really tough opponents. So gun to my head, I would say no as well because if we just look at this purely objectively. The Ducks have been really bad the last two years, and we can talk about progression from the youngsters all we want, Gibson finding his form all we want, but you just, I would say no. I'm, of course, leaving the door open to them making it because I think there's a case to be made there, but I would Mm -hmm. agree with you no. And this isn't us saying trying to doom the season from the start. This isn't us saying anything to that effect. We're just giving you our opinion on where this team stands, and I think that... Again, once once the season starts and they make it, or if they make it, then they'll have really earned it because this is a cutthroat division. Yep, and so that that's my biggest thing here is that yeah, they'll they'll have to earn it. So we're really gonna know what they they have. And the thing is, everyone keeps keeps saying, well, they can make it if the kids develop. They can make it if the kids develop. So now it's put up or shut up. It, as much of a put up a sh- or shut up time it is for Ricard Raquel, for Cam Fowler, for the core, it's also time for the Troy Terriers, for the Sam Steels, for for all of that type of stuff um to happen and um we'll have to see what happens there though hopefully hopefully for ducks fans they end up putting it together and they prove that they're actually good enough to do it but who knows can i just throw in one thing about the wild before we move on go for it i think this might this might be added to the drinking game of things that i say so according to byron bader's hockey prospecting model the last time a team added as much uh, star probability talent and two players, so would would have, you know, comparing it to Rousey and Kaprasov right now for the Wild. The last time that happened, of players of that high of caliber coming as prospects was Taves and Kane for the Blackhawks. So they could be really good. There's yeah. your obligatory Marco Rossi reference. Yep. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely going to be something we're going to have to add to the drinking game, no doubt. So. Um, I think moving on. So the next thing of note is training camp. So training camp uh, is going to be starting for the Ducks and all of the other teams that did not make the playoffs on December 30th. And the big thing is that training camp uh, roster size will be reduced uh, down to, let me find the number really quickly. Uh, I believe it's down to 36 skaters and an unlimited number of goalies. So typically training camp is in the 40s or 50s. Um, in terms of camp size. So um, reducing it down to 36 skaters will uh, basically make it so you're only going to have NHLers and AHLers there. There, Typically, you'll have guys from junior show up to camp at the beginning, maybe get one preseason game in there, um, and, and then get sent back to junior. But that's probably not going to be the case, especially with the fact that training camp starts December 30th, the season starts January 13th, it's going to be guys majority of or majority of guys that have a chance to make the roster are locked into the roster. So um, we kind of expected this when you have a shortened training camp. Anyways, you're expecting it to be smaller, but um, 
you're not going to be seeing the guys of the the Jacob Perros, the the Braden Tracys of the world at this camp. No, it's it, and I think that that's probably a good thing all around because yep. what are, what are, what is the likelihood that those guys make it anyway? Um, let them get their footing in their respective leagues. Okay, so I mean, I guess you want to move on to the contract structure yep. for the ELC slide. Yep. So the ELC slide. So there are a couple things in this uh, uh, new season that will be prorated that will be um, taken down a certain amount because of the fact you aren't playing an A2 game season. You're playing a 56 game season. So one of those will be the entry level slide for a normal season. This probably wouldn't affect the Ducks. Um, Obviously, it's kind of a case by case basis, depending on where your roster's at, who's coming in. But for this season, it will actually affect the Ducks. And it's something to keep note of. And Typically, for those of you that don't know, if a guy who is underneath 20 years old plays in 10 games or more at the NHL NHL level, his entry-level contract is counted for that season. If he plays in less than that at the NHL level, then that season does not count as a year towards his entry-level deal. So let's say we had a full season this year. Trevor Zegras played nine NHL games. This would not count as a year of his entry-level deal, even though he pl- even if he played the entire year in the AHL. So essentially that 10 game number has now been changed to seven because of the reduction in the season. So keep an eye on if Trevor Zegras does play in the NHL, if he plays in seven games, okay. um, cause if he plays in seven games, I expect him to mainly be on the NHL roster for most of the year then. Okay. Prediction time again. I'm just going to okay. put you on the spot over and over. D- does, 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 he, does he accrue his first year this season? Yes. Yeah. I, I think, think so too. I think that the ducks need, Again, we, we haven't even seen him play yet in the World Junior, but I think I would imagine he's going to light it up there as a returning player in a bigger role. I think the Ducks are going to be motivated to get him a spot because that roster is going to need a spark. They need energy to come in offensively and give them something else that they haven't had because right now, again, as we've talked about, the Ducks are counting entirely on internal improvement. Sure, they brought in Kevin Shattenkirk, and that's going to help, but outside of that... There's there weren't any other additions to the forward core. Yeah. And so I think it makes sense to bring in Trevor Zegras. And yeah, if it burns a year sooner, so be it. I mean, you're you want this guy to play in, in games that matter. And this season they're gonna be chasing a playoff spot. Yeah, and I don't know necessarily if Zegras would come would have come out of college if he didn't have yeah. some assurances that he was gonna get seven games in the NHL. You don't really want to screw over one of your top prospects that was a really highly touted pick that's a lot of people are considering the best prospect outside of the NHL. That's not exactly someone you want to screw around with and mess with in terms of this. So to me, I think he gets at least seven games. I think he burns a year off the deal. Uh, Does he play in 40 games? Does he play in 20? That I don't know of. I could... I think probably the likeliest scenario is that he gets he gets to seven, maybe plays 20, 25, yeah. and, if the, and if the season starts heading south, then maybe he goes down to San Diego, yeah. which, by the way, I think there will be an AHL season in San Diego because we got confirmation out of San Jose that the Barracuda will be playing. Yeah, and I so, think I think I think the Ducks will want the goals to play. I think it makes a lot of sense. Well, so I'm just I, saying, I would it, expect it, the goals. if the Barracuda are playing then who are they well, going to play? It, it makes yeah. sense that the, that the goals would have to be playing too. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think, well, I think every team is given the opportunity to opt out. They have a date, I think, mm-hmm. at which they have to opt out by or something along those lines. So mm-hmm. uh, keep an eye out on that. But the AHL is coming back. Just how many teams are actually going to be there is, is the question. So let's get into the, or actually, you know what? I think it's time for a word from our sponsors. 
before we before we get into the next topic. So the next one's going to be a big one. Yes. Yes. So let's talk about our friends over at Mac Weldon. So the new normal uniform has a lot of us searching our closets and drawers for men's essentials that aren't there. Instead of the usual business casual button-ups and jeans, it's soft-knit polos, tees, joggers, active shorts. Whatever men's basics you need, Mack Weldon has you covered with unmatched comfort and fit. And just as a quick aside here before we get into some of the specifics, I've been wearing the Radius pants pretty consistently here for the last few weeks. I mean, ever since Mack Weldon sent over, you know, allowed us to pick out some items. And they're awesome, especially if you're someone who's working from home, which I would imagine is a good chunk of our listeners because they're comfortable and they're they're kind of like work pants and so you can sit there and feel like you're working throughout the day but they're also designed so that you can actually be active go out for a run or work out in them so you can pretty much do everything and you can look somewhat put together at any mm-hmm. given time so yep can't speak highly enough about that but let's uh I, what why don't you I run us through my- the list here I worked out of my radius, uh, radius pants actually yeah. this week. So to to really give it or go with you on that, those are awesome. The Ace sweatpants are great, but they have a lot of different things. They have your men's essentials. They've got socks. They've got shirts. They've got underwear. They've got polos. They've got active shirts, shorts. Uh, they promise you comfort and a consistent fit, and that's something I can actually definitely vouch for. The yeah. the comfort and I can vouch for all this honestly, but the comfort <laughs> and consistent fit. They're Ace sweatpants. They fit just exactly how I want a sweat I'm, to fit. I'm wearing them right now. They Spoiler. are the most comfortable <laughs> sweats I've ever owned. You and I keep having a debate, honestly, or a, a contest over who's going to work out in them first because we don't want to <laughs> ruin them, but both of us end up wearing them and they're so comfy. Who's going to trying flinch? to figure out who, who, who's going to flinch first with that? But they've got great versatility. They look great. They feel great from working out like we're doing, going out, going, going to work or on a date. Mack Weldon is for everyday life. I mean, those radius pants... I wear them out. I go to the market in them. Like like you said, work out. You can go for walks in them. You can do anything in those radius sweatpants. They've got technology. They've got a wide range of custom fabrics that can keep you uh, dry or keep you going no matter what your day looks like. They've got 18-hour underwear. They've got silver, air knit X, dry knit, warm knit, all of these. And on top of all this, they've got an awesome rewards program. So they've got Weldon Blue, totally free loyalty program. Um, level one gets you free shipping for life. And once you reach level two, by spending $200, you get 20% off every order for the next year. And Mac Weldon guarantees they, they want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep them and they'll send you a refund. No questions asked. So if you don't like that, that, uh, that first pair of underwear, they will actually, uh, they will allow you to keep it. No, no questions asked and refund you. So really awesome. And honestly, before, before we kind of move on and kind of get on in the podcast, I want to say this, this is how great a quality this product is. So they get, they allow, they sent us some free stuff from free, some swag to, to be able to test out the product. And it was so good. I went back and purchased more. Yeah. I think that kind of says it all right there. Yeah. And, and I, I think you were close to doing the same actually. So I think that says it all. Yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough. So if you're interested as well, which you should be, I think that we all should be since uh, we'll be working from home for a little while longer here. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com slash CTP, like the name of this podcast, Crash the Pond, and enter promo code CTP. That's MacWeldon.com slash CTP, promo code CTP for 20% off your order. MacWeldon, reinventing men's 
basics. So, moving on with the show here, taxi squads. This is the yes. big thing. This is the big one. This is this is Jake's big Ugh. focal point here in the article. I mean, it's a wall of text about taxi squads. So, why don't you just explain to us how this works? What so, are taxi yeah. squads and how do they work? L- let's jump into it right away. So, the taxi squad is something obviously brand new for this season. The taxi squad is essentially going to be in addition to your roster. So your active roster is going to be anywhere from 20 men to 23 men. Typically your uh, taxi squad will typically be four to six uh, men. So basically the people in your taxi squad will not count towards your active roster. So if you have a 23 man roster, every single spot filled out and you have a, a six man taxi squad, you're up to the maximum. So you're allowed to carry, what would that be? Uh, 29 guys with you on any road trip, anything like that. And, uh, it allows you to basically the, the purpose of the taxi squad before we get into the nitty gritty of it is that you have guys in reserve close by in case someone gets sick, someone gets COVID and isn't able to play and you're able to bring them onto the roster. And it's basically something that they're doing to to protect you from those situations, especially the Canadian teams where you have a border issue on top of everything, where if they do end up having an AHL season, their AHL team may be in the U S in order to call a guy up. It may take a while for them to get there. It's not something you can do instantly. Some guy gets COVID, some guy gets injured, some guy gets sick. You need to call someone up to take a spot. It could take 14 days for that guy to get there, depending on how the quarantine goes. So that's the purpose of the taxi squad. So getting into the nitty gritty of it, the taxi squad, every team will be required to have a minimum of four players on that taxi squad and a maximum of six. The player will be required. And this is the big thing here. They will be required to go through waivers if they are not waiver exempt in order to go to the taxi squad. So for instance, during the season, if a guy goes on in order to go to the AHL, they have to be put on waivers and every team has a chance to claim them. Um, And if they pass, then they can go to the AHL. Same type of thing here. If a player is to be put on the taxi squad and they're not exempt from waivers, they have to clear waivers before they can go to it. The players on the taxi squad will be able to practice with the NHL team, join in on team activities, and travel with the team, although traveling with the team is not a requirement of uh, the team. So if a team decides cost-wise, different things like that, they don't want the taxi squad to travel, they don't have to have them, and they can fly them out if someone gets hurt, different things like that. Um, And so... The taxi squad players will not be able to practice or play in AHL games, though, while in the taxi squad. If you're on that squad, you are an NHL player at that point. You just aren't on the roster, basically. You're not allowed to play in AHL games. You can just bait. You're there to be able to jump into the NHL when you're needed. Um, And the other important pieces of information is that uh, the cap hit for any player on the taxi squad is similar to a player in the AHL, which is basically if a player is making under 1.075 mil, they don't have a residual cap hit at all at the NHL level. That's similar to when a guy is sent down to the AHL. So for instance, when Max Comtois in the AHL, his cap hit is not above a million. So that's why there's no residual cap hit on the Ducks cap sheet. Whereas, for instance, let's say the Ducks were to waive David Backus and he were to get sent down. He has a $4 million cap hit. That's above 1.075. So there would be a residual cap hit, but the of it's around $3 million or so. It's basically $4 million minus the 1.075. And you basically have resi- you're saving a million off the cap. So, um, and then the other thing is that any player on the taxi squad will be making their AHL salary if they are on a two-way deal. So with all of that kind of being said, there's a whole lot of creativity, shadiness, 
however you want to put it, that NHL GMs can get away with this season to be able to make themselves cap compliant with the taxi squad. And this is one thing that I'm actually really excited to pay attention to because it's one of those little nuts and bolts things that gets my brain going. It's a little bit of a puzzle piece, a little puzzle that you're trying to put together. And so for the Ducks, they currently have a cap hit of $82.5 million. Um, and that's with per cap friendly, a 22 man roster. If they were to re- remove one player from that, they would be pretty close to that salary cap. If they were at a 21 man roster, they'd be pretty close to the $81.5 million in cap hit. So, and or if they were to go down to a 20 man roster, they could even get tighter by dropping even more players. Um, the Ducks have the ability here to, to on basically any non game day, run a smaller roster with a six max taxi squad and get themselves to be cap compliant. Because remember cap it accrues over time. So basically you do the cap it over the number of days in the season. That's how much accrues over each day. So if a guy is put on the taxi squad, his cap, it's not accruing for the ducks cap it cap sheet that day. And so there's a whole lot of savings that can be had this year, especially when you add in the fact the number of days in the season is less. So you essentially, ha- uh, it's about 40% increase in everyone's daily cap hit. So any day that they're not on that cap, uh, on your cap sheet, it helps out significantly. So you're going to be seeing the likes of Max Comtois, the likes of Max Jones, the likes of Sam Steele, the likes of Trevor Zegras, these guys. Going back and forth from the taxi squad a significant amount because, and they'll still be able to practice with the NHL team. It's simply being done because of cap savings. And you're going to see this with a lot of teams. Could be in there. Who? Maybe I'm getting this wrong, but Cody Curran. Cody Curran, yep, he's on my list. He is technically waiver exempt because he has never played enough games. No residual cap hit, and at $1 million cap hit. Yeah, you can. I mean, this isn't completely a get out of jail free card for teams, but no. it, it helps. You have to it, you have to work you have to work for it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that this is kind of like a soft get out of jail free card because it's there's a lot that goes into it. Not a lot that goes into it, but it's not purely okay. We're sending you down, and we're just not going to have to worry about this. And so, I think for the Ducks, it's just enough relief to where they can make this work. Yeah, and they're able to not have to dip into LTIR as a result. So my mm-hmm. bet on this is that the Ducks probably will have a 20-man roster with the four and basically four-man uh, or six, 20-man roster, six-man taxi squad on off days, 22-man roster, four uh, four-man taxi squad on game days in order to make things work, or maybe just keep it six man and only have the guys on your roster that are going to be playing in that night's game. The only issue that could arise if you do that is you have to move. You have until I believe it's like 5 PM. I think it's 5 PM Eastern to move a guy from the taxi squad to your roster. So if you don't do that and someone ends up getting hurt and get ends up getting sick, uh, you are short a man on your roster. So I would assume that the ducks will probably go uh, flip guys back and forth on game day. Also of note is that, uh, guys that clear waivers. So one of the things is a uh, number of games is not being prorated for waivers. So for instance, if a guy were to clear, clear waivers during the season, he would either have to play in 10 games or be on a roster for 30 days and on the active roster for 30 days to require waivers again. So for instance, let's say Yanni Hockenpah. The, the If the Ducks put him on waivers, 
he would have to play in 10 games or be on the roster for 30 days to ha- require waivers again. This, this reminds me of the- Kiefer Sherwood for whatever reason. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the The Ducks could, and so here here's the big thing here is that you could theoretically have a guy clear waivers at the beginning of the season, and because of the taxi squad, not be on the active roster enough days to ever require waivers again that season. <laughs> like that, that is a realistic possibility. And I'm curious to see who they end up doing with. And, and what I'm really curious to see here is how do teams utilize this? How do the ducks utilize this? Cause I think the easy answer is to say waiver exempt guys, they, they go there. That's easy. But the downside to that is you want those waiver exempt guys playing. You don't necessarily want those guys sitting in the press box necessarily. So you want some veteran guys in that press box on that taxi squad because they're not guys that you are investing that much development into. So they're not guys that you want in the AHL. So how do you go about this? How much do you weigh practicing in the NHL, being with the NHL team? How much do you weigh that versus playing in the AHL for experience for these younger guys, for the Max Comtois of the world, for the Max Jones? For the uh, Sam Steele's pretty much a lock to be on the NHL roster, but still, yeah. Um, for for those guys that we could see going up and down from the AHL to NHL, how do they utilize this in comparison to that? Will they simply use the taxi squad for for older guys that are either waiver exempt, like a Cody Coran, or and simply have it filled with guys that cleared waivers because they're NHL, they're older type of guys. Or do you have it be all waiver exempt guys or, and, or the waiver exempt guys you keep sending up and down from the AHL to NHL as it is and, and do it the same way that you were doing in the past. It, so it's gonna, did you, you don't think you had Agazino in your group and I know he's not waiver exempt, but he doesn't strike me as someone who's, I don't know how much they're looking to have him play in the, in the AHL since he was in the NHL to end last season. Yeah. And so, he's, he's, he kind of screams taxi squad guy. Yeah, because so here I, are the players. I don't think anyone's picking him up off waivers. Yeah, so here are the players I could see in the mix from a waiver exempt status, and then I'll get into the waiver status people. So I could see Max Jones, Sam Steele, Comtois, Trevor Zegras, Cody Coran, uh, Isaac Lundestrom, and Josh Mahura all in the mix of players that are waiver exempt and could be in the taxi squad at various points in time throughout the year. For the players that are eligible for waivers, the guys that I think there are Yanni Hockenpah, Andy Walensky, uh, Brendan Gooley, weirdly enough. I did not realize this. He's not waiver exempt anymore. No. So he's 23. It, who, yeah, <laughs> they he probably is going to go on waivers, I would bet, at some point, and maybe he's a taxi squad player. Uh, Chase DeLeo maybe is in that mix, and Andrew Agazino. I mean, there's a couple other guys in the AHL, but this is where – the maneuvering is going to really come into play because the AHL has some rules also where you have to have veteran a certain amount of veteran players in your lineup. So if all of those veterans are on the taxi squad, what does the AHL team do? And so there's some of those things that are going to have to be worked out and see where they end up going. Um, and it, it, it's, it, it's going to be one of those things where a move to a taxi squad may not logically make sense at first and you really have to do some digging to fully understand and for it to fully make sense. Right. Well, I think it's, it is interesting because it, it, it kind of c- conveys its own status of being a taxi squad player. And I think that for the ducks, a guy like Contois, he's, he kind of, to me, if I'm looking at it on the scale of where, what benefits him the most, I think he's probably a guy who maybe needs a little more AHL grooming, but then a guy like Sam Steele, Clearly, he's not going... I mean, they didn't send him down once last season, so I don't really see him being in that mix. But then a Brendan Gooley, he, right now, he's kind of not too old for the AHL, 
because there's not like an age limit, but in his development, you probably want to see more what he can do at the NHL level. So it is going to be an interesting middle ground between just simply sending a guy down and keeping him on the roster, which I kind of like in a way. I, do you think this is something that it's chess? Do you think this is something that should stick around post COVID? No, no, I don't think so. Well, I kind of like it because it, it makes it less dramatic. Um, you know, oh, he's either got to be on the roster or he's got to go down the AHL. Like, there's no, a little be, more of a middle ground there. It, it's expanded roster. I mean, you don't need expanded rosters in a normal season. I, I, I right. think that it's fine as is. I don't. I think, no, yeah. I, I personally don't because I also think that mm-hmm. you can send him down. And, and yeah. the a, and the AHL, it's not that much different. This is, The only reason why this is here is mainly the biggest reason is Canadian teams. That is by far the biggest reason for the taxi squads to be there is to make it so no one has to cross the border in order if a guy gets hurt and they need to call someone up. That they have a, a well, squad of guys. Yeah, waiting. but this this rule would still be there even if Canadian teams can't play in Canada. So I don't know. Uh, true. At this point, yes, you're you're right there. So I but I think this rule was intended because of or put into play because of Canadian teams. Possibly. I, I think that that was yeah. why this was developed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you're gonna see Sam Steele. I think. I think guys that are locked onto roster spots that are waiver exempt are going to be the guys that will go well, back and forth. Yeah, it it just why wouldn't you do it if you're the Ducks? Uh, yeah, so I I could see Cody Coran and I could see Sam Steele being two of the guys that Max would go Jones. back and forth. Max Jones, um, Max Jones well, just depend- they, they, they're going to do that with Max Jones one hundred. Well, either that or they send him down. I so it, it's going to yeah. be something to watch. Watch and one thing I'm curious about is if a guy ends up in the group of four that is in the taxi squad on game day, Mm -hmm. how many of them get stuck there for most of the year? Hmm. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, does that Mm -hmm. become the doghouse of the coach? You're not, you're like, you're in the group of four that isn't even able to be a healthy scratch. Yeah. I, there's going to be, we're going to see that happen. We're going to see that play out. So that's kind of the benefit of this taxi squad is that it gives us just another wrinkle hierarchy. Just, just another thing to monitor, another thing to to report back on. So yeah, it's it's good. Thank you, NHL. Yeah, Thank exactly. You. All right. Anything else on the taxi squad, specifically on the taxi squad and the capital vacations that you wanna you wanna talk about? I would just point out as a as just rounding everything together that this is a good thing for the Ducks, the taxi squad yes. system, because it, like you said, it makes it so that they don't have to dip into LTIR. And it gives them just enough flexibility to where they don't really need to worry now about getting out of cap trouble uh, with, yep. with an with an outside move. Yep, agreed. So okay, goalies. The, the next big the next big thing is goalies, and so this also does in some ways have to do with the taxi squad, but it's different. You the every NHL team is going to be required to carry three goalies throughout the course of the season. Um, so that can either be all three on your active roster, so all three on your 23-man roster, 20, or 20th, 23-man roster, or two on your active roster, one on your um, in your taxi squad. And the reason for this, and Ginger, it's funny, Ginger Wolf just pointed out that kind of the taxi squad being a thing from now on would alleviate the David Ayer situation. That's the reason, exact reason yeah. why. That, well, you have this three goalie system for uh, yeah. for this season is they don't want to be bringing an e-bug into the arena. They are trying to limit the amount of people that are coming into the arena and have it only be the teams. And so as part of that, every team is being required to carry three goalies so that if one of them gets hurt, you have an emergency backup that is one of your team's goalies. Mm-hmm. And so this is interesting 
for the Ducks because as of right now, the Ducks really only have two guys that you would want to be in the NHL. You don't want Lucas Dossel or Oli. As of right now, two. You don't. You. Where are you going with this? Oh, you you, you, you think th- just one? You think Stolars is NHL no. capable? Well, St- Stolars is taxi squad. Stolars is taxi squad level. Okay, but that that so then who's the second guy who's going to be on exactly? The <laughs> so that that's where I'm going with this is that you don't want Lucas Dalso or Ole Eriksson Ek to be the taxi squad goalie if Stolars is the backup. You don't you want them playing in games. You want them doing things like that from now on. Um, and to get development. I mean, that's why they brought Dossel over is to play in games, get, uh, get his development going, different things like that. So you don't want him to be sitting in, in the press box the entire time. So to me, this this is the sign the Ducks are going to sign Ryan Miller. If they don't sign Miller because he doesn't want to play, then they're probably going to sign someone else. I don't see the Ducks going into this season with a trio in the NHL of Eriksson Ek or uh, Dostal and then Stolarz and Gibson. That... that just wouldn't make any sense to me for them to do that. Yeah, and I think Erickson Eck right now is playing in is he down in in Tulsa? Maybe is I think Durney, right well, I know Durney's down there. So anyway, the the point is Regardless. Yeah, yeah, they need they need I mean th- this is just this should just accelerate a need that was already there to get that yeah. situation resolved. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, even if Ryan Miller for whatever reason doesn't want to come back, he decides he's done, he's retired, which all signs indicate that's not the case, seeing as he's skating, different things like that. But if that does happen, you probably will see the Ducks dip into the Jimmy Howard waters, different things like that, to, to just get a third get a NHL guy. goalie. Yeah, yeah, get a guy, basically. And mm-hmm. so that's where I see them going. Um, other things of note from this, uh, mainly this, a lot of this info is coming from Cat Friendly, but we've mentioned this a lot. There's the 40-70 rule for the expansion draft. And so because the last two seasons were not full seasons. You could imagine that 4070 was not actually going to be the number of games. So it will actually be 27 and 54 instead of 4070. So instead of 40 games, uh, this is a expansion draft exposure requirement. So you have to expose one forward that has played in or two forwards that have played in 40 games in the prior season or 70 games in the prior two. And one defenseman who's played in 40 games in the prior season or 70 games in the prior two. Now, instead of that, it will be 27 games in the prior season or 54 games in the prior two seasons. So the Ducks actually already have their guys now. Um, they already have Jacob Larson has played in over 54 games last season. And then they have Derek Grant and uh, yeah, I mean, it's still Nicolas Delorier. It's still the same exact percentage, by the way. Yeah, exactly. No, so, it's the same so, percentage. It's just prorated for the yeah, number of games that were played. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's not a cumulative thing. So as long as the percentages line up, that's all that really matters. Um, but yeah, so I mean, how much does that impact? Because you're the expansion draft guy. So, I, I mean, it doesn't really affect the expansion draft that much for the Ducks. It, they pretty much had it laid out that it was going to be Delorier, Grant, and uh, and Larson for mm-hmm. them as exposure requirements. Um Larson was, I think, 10 games away from hitting the mark. Delorier and Grant were pretty close also. Um, so it makes sense. But this just makes it even clearer where the Ducks don't need to even play Jacob Larson in order for him to hit that. He could, They could have him play in Europe, and, and it would still be the case. So that that's one thing. Oh, um, sorry, there's one more thing. It, it had to do with the first and second year pros. This wasn't something in my article, but it's something I should bring up here. Um, the What was it? I believe if a player plays in one game, 
a player under 20 plays in one game in the NHL, it counts as a year of professional experience, I believe is what it is. L- let me find that real quick um, for us. But I'm wondering what that means if, with that being the case for Isaac Lundestrom. If, if Lundestrom doesn't play in the NHL this year... If he only plays in the AHL, I believe, or over in Europe, let me. I'm well, trying he's, to find this he, he's already link. back from Europe, so. Oh, he is. So yeah. never mind. His Scratching loan. This his loan is over in in the Alps. Scratching Fenskin. this conversation all com- all off the list completely. So <laughs> there you go. But regardless, um, so this doesn't affect the Ducks that much from an expansion draft perspective. They're in a similar condition. It's now just makes it even clearer what they're going to pick what's, because they don't even need to play guys. What's interesting is that Cap Friendly still has Lindström as on loan, but we've gotten news out of Sweden that he left the team. So interesting there. Yeah. Um, and then I believe the only other important pieces of information is I think Pierre Lebrun had a list of important dates. So here we go. Uh, puck drop January 13th. Trade deadline, April 12th. End of the regular season, May 8th. Expansion draft, July 21st. NHL draft, July 23rd to 24th. Free agent frenzy on July 28th. And then LeBron's going to a cottage on July 29th. Hook it to my veins is all I'll yes. say. <laughs> it's going to be a mad, mad It's going to be insane. But, oh, boy, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. I, I think for all of the action that we've missed out on the last few months, we're just going to get it all back tenfold in the in the coming uh i guess five months four months it's gonna be fast it's gonna be furious it's gonna be 56 games you're gonna be seeing a lot of back-to-backs you're gonna see a lot of back-to-backs against the same team i am just guarantee you i I, I guarantee you the mm -hmm. ducks are gonna just only have one trip to minnesota like they're they're gonna have one trip and play all four games in minnesota in that week i I would not shock me if that happens i know that everybody's thinking this but i just want i'm just gonna say it because i'm feeling it deeply i'm really hoping that we don't have huge covid disasters and because that's that's the thing that hangs over all of this right is that we're assuming that everything goes according to plan i mean of course there's uncertainty baked into all of this as you can see with the taxi squads but fingers really crossed that players adhere to the guidelines that we don't have a situation where uh someone ruins it for everybody else right let's let's get through this and let's have some fun yeah definitely so um want to get into some questions let's do it so, for those of you watching the recorded version of this on YouTube, yes, we're on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond, um, or listen to the recorded version on your favorite podcast services. We do a live stream of this show each and every time at twitch.tv slash crash the pond. We've been doing it every Sunday at 8 p.m. If you want to tune in, join in with Twitch chat. If you, get Amazon, if you have Amazon Prime, you get one free Twitch Prime subscription each and every month. You do have to hit that subscribe button after 30 days. It does help the show out significantly. If you uh, don't have Amazon Prime or it's not the right time for you, that that different type of thing, you can also follow the show, which is a way for you to just get notified anytime we go live. So if you just want to watch us live, uh, tune in, join in on the fun, you can go uh, follow us. Hit that heart button, I believe, is the follow button. So, uh, by the way, Georgie Connor, good friend George, resubscribed for 21 months. So thank you so much, Thanks. George, for doing that. So let's jump into some questions here. So, hey, yo, D-Flow. Wants our West standing division standings predictions. Oh boy! Give me your one through eight. One through eight. Wow, that is actually putting me on the spot. Uh, Minnesota Wild one, of course. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. I'm gonna go with the Colorado Avalanche at one. I think that they they got better 
this offseason for, for those that, that forgot getting Devon Taves is no small feat. So they're going to be better. I had them at one. I forgot that happened. Yeah, and it's it's actually a pretty big addition. Okay, and then I'm going to go Vegas. Well, and they have, they have Byron potentially coming in also. Yeah, I mean, even if Byron doesn't come up, they're they're already pretty stacked. But yeah. I'm going to go no, Avalanche 1. I'm going to go Wild 2. Vegas Golden Knights 3. Yeah, by the way, you heard that right. Just, just putting that out there. Wild 2, Golden Knights 3, and then Blues 4. And then after that, just to, just to play to the home crowd here, I'll go Ducks 5. And then Coyote, or sorry, uh, Kings 6, Coyote 7, Sharks 8. So I'm going to go Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota, St. Louis, Anaheim, Arizona, L.A., San Jose. You're always, always, until the end of time, going to be higher than me on Arizona. It's just never, that's weren't, just wait, never Wait, weren't we LA. the same? No. Oh, no, you had Arizona You had Arizona 7, I had them 6. I had them 1 ahead of you. I'm still, I think the Kings are going to be, they're not going to be good, but they're going to be at least a little more interesting than the Coyotes are, I think. There's at least stuff there that's going on. They have some young guys coming in. Anyway. Uh, yeah. But All yeah, right. but but by the way, uh, not a final prediction. You can't hold it against me. Just just putting it out there. Hey, hey yo, D-Flow brings up uh, Jake is higher on the Arizona because of their jerseys. He's right. That's really it. Have you looked at their – do you even know who's on that team? Uh, Phil Kessel loves hot dogs. <laughs> there, there we go. <laughs> I rest my case. <laughs> All right. Do you know Phil uh, Kessel Kim isn't pa- good anymore? <laughs> okay, you sorry. know what? You know what? You know what? You can shut it. Uh, Kim Pafu says, "Why does Felix think the worst division is a fun division?" I'm pretty sure what Tony is talking about here is that in our Discord chat uh, for our patrons, you had mentioned that uh, the Canadian division is fun. No, I think earlier most fun. earlier in the show today, I said that the Central will be f- oh, is fun. Oh. I think that's what he's referring to. Feel free to correct me on that. Tony, correct him. Oh, yeah, he said he, he said no. He said the Central is the most fun. Well, so why do you think that the worst division is the most fun? I don't think it's the most fun. Just I don't think I said that. Maybe I did. Shame on me if I can't remember what things I actually said. But... It happens. It happens. It's just fun because it's a bunch of teams that we haven't really seen in the same division all at once. And so, I mean, Tampa Bay in a division with Chicago, Columbus with Florida, Nashville, Carolina. It's just kind of this. And then then Detroit. There you go. Carolina with all these teams. Yeah. And so I think it's going to be fun because, I mean, Tampa Bay, Carolina, and Dallas. The, just those three alone, I think, are going to give each other some really good games. And Nashville, we could quibble with how good they actually are, but they they can be a fun team to watch. And then, yeah, you have some legit bottom feeders in there. I mean, Detroit and Chicago. But Columbus and Florida are going to be competitive. So it's just kind of this weird, funky division, will, and I'm excited for it. Will Detroit win 10 games? They'll be better. I mean, they, they brought in a bunch will, of guys. Will they win 10 games in this division? Sure. I'll go. I'll go over. I'll go over on ten. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll remember that. I mean, they. they we, we need to make some side bets in the season. We just need to go all do. in. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do. All right. So realistically, how many games? Let's let's set an over under number for Detroit that's actually reasonable and not just at ten. What would? How many points did they have last year? Let, let's just do it like that. How many? How many points did Detroit have 
last season in however many games. So here we go. Detroit had, uh, let me see this, 39 points. They're going to they're, they're gonna be better. Like you, I, If you want to prorate it to whatever it would be out of 56 games, they will be better. 30 points. 30 points. The, they will be better. So equivalent. So let, let's go just straight wins. Over, under, 16 wins. So is that the threshold to just surpass last year? Uh, they had 30 points last year. So I'm saying 16 wins. Over, under. Over. All right. I'm going under. They they, so. they brought in some okay players. I mean, Troy Stetcher and John Merrill for their blue I'm line. I'm just saying, this division and with it being purely divisional. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, They're going to get wrecked on a lot of nights. That's true. I mean, <laughs> you make a good point there. Thomas Grice... I mean, is a good ad in net, and Jonathan Bernier was good for them last year. So, but yeah, it's going to be tough sledding. Hey, Bobby Ryan, how dare you go against Bobby Ryan? I love Bobby, but they're still going to be trash. So you're saying he is trash? No, I'm not. Don't you <laughs> don't you put words in my mouth? Don't you do it? I'm just trying don't to find a that? way to make you look bad here because I'm I'm nope. kind, I'm kind of feeling. Not not that great about my prediction. All <laughs> you're, of a sudden. you're not feeling great after I bring up the actual valid point that they're in a tough division and they're just going to get Let's, smacked. Hey, every it's a fun night. division. I think that we've just made the the point here. We've proven the point that it's actually a fun division. Uh, okay, I'm more right, excited so for that division than the from, East, which is just the NBCSN right. All Stars, basically. We got this question. Ginger Roll said, question, with the Sharks going retro, do we expect other California teams to follow suit? Do you think the – basically, do you think the Ducks will bring back a retro jersey? For this season, I I don't think they will. Well, no, just in general. Yes, because right now, for the foreseeable future, so revenues are going to take a huge hit, and there's that's going to linger for at least another year until we get back to having fans in the stands, which is probably – I think by next season, next October, we'll probably be at the point where most of the country will be vaccinated, or at least to the point where we can have herd immunity. And at that point, I would imagine that there's really no reason that you cannot have fans. So, but even still, it's, you're going to have to recoup all of that revenue. And I think teams are going to be looking at. I mean, we 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 should probably talk about this a little bit, but now it's official. We're going to get ads on the helmets, and so I would imagine, yeah, they're going to dip into whatever way that they can bring back some revenue and, and jerseys are an easy one because not only the reverse retro jerseys sold. Yeah, exactly. Because not only do they sell, but it, it's just one of those things that makes fans happy. It engages the, the fan base and it's, it's a good thing. And especially for the ducks who have such a rich Jersey history, you know, from a retro perspective, it, it makes too much sense for, for them not to do it. Yep. And so can asks, how is it possible for the ducks to tank? when Arizona is in the same division. So, Tony, why you got to take shots at the Coyotes like that and their glorious jerseys? And honestly, the Coyotes aren't the team I'm worried about if I were, were Team Tank. I'd be more worried about the, the Sharks because they seem to go downhill real quick and their goaltending is still suspect. I'm just waiting for... I'm just waiting now for Cap Friendly to update the divisions when you go down, when you scroll down teams. Um, but, hey, the Sharks will be terrible this year. I'm pretty confident in that. They could potentially bounce back. I mean, the roster talent's going to be there. That is true. But they will look good doing whatever they do because, let's face it, bringing back the original Sharks jersey, that's a win. And and I'm a fan of the Royal Sharks. I did want to get your thoughts, though, on the helmet ads. Oh. Um I'm all for it. I I could not care less. There, I've seen people on Twitter have opinions on this. In to the contrary, where they're saying blah blah, it's Do not whatever. a good thing. 
do whatever to get revenue. Yeah, Who cares? put your the, put ads the, on the jerseys, on the socks, the, on the, the goalie the pads. Players, go, go full so Europe for all I care. The, really the don't care. Are potentially going to have to owe because essentially the no, way they that will. It works is it's hockey. It's not even potential. <laughs> well, no, yeah, they're going to owe a lot of money, and so if this can help the players and make it so it's not a flat cap for ten years, where it's not, an, we're not stuck. Do whatever you can. Sell Honestly, every square inch of ad of potential ad revenue on the ice as possible. I mean, go full on major juniors and get ads on the yeah, goalposts. I don't care. <laughs> put put ad put ads on every, put ads wherever you want on the jersey. I don't care. I'm not a purist would about you, that. W- w- I, I, would you favor I, I, ads on the ice? Like Europe? Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> do whatever I, I I don't I don't care. Do here's here's the biggest thing with all of this is Yes, I I get it. People will say that the jerseys are sacred, different things like that. But at the end of the day, the players are the ones out there playing. They're going to owe the owners a bunch of money. And what's happening essentially right now in order to make this happen is the current players are essentially kicking the can down the line. So the Trevor Zgrasses, the Jack Hughes of the world, they're the ones that are going to have to fit the bill down the line. So if that can at least help those players out who aren't even the ones making this decision right now in – if, if there can be something done so they don't have to owe as much money and they can maximize their potential earnings because this is their only way to really do that and help them set themselves up for their life, then they should be doing it. That it, That's the reality of the situation. Yes, sell, I get it. Sell Pe- the jerseys without ads. It's, it's pretty yes, simple. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or, I mean, I buy my Tottenham kit and it has a big AIA insurance company logo on the front. I don't care. The crest is on the front. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that the lo- the the ads there. It's part of the jersey. Who cares? That that's my view of it. I mean, if people really care that much, what I've suggested doing is remove shoulder patches from jerseys. Remove those so- shoulder patches and put ads there. It's minor. It's not huge. It's a way to sell a bunch of money. Yeah, and, and really help with hockey related revenue. It, so it is kind of funny just how th- this whole pandemic situation is going to make the do- make the NHL. Once again, accelerate to yeah. to obvious conclusions that have been sitting there for a long time for them. I mean, think about it. Yeah, how many how many sports leagues in the world don't have ads on jerseys? It's probably the minority, right? Baseball, baseball, football, and hockey. Yeah, and the NFL is and the and Major League Baseball are such cash cows that for them, there's less yeah. of an impetus. The NBA did it every. Major the age, soccer league in the, the world does, does it. it. The, the AHL, AHL does it. it. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of mind-boggling that they haven't done it yet, well, to be honest. And and here's my thing on this. And for anyone who's a purist, I get it, and I get where you're coming from. But think about this. And this was, I think, this was on Thirty One Thoughts. Maybe this was on Hockey Central at noon. Jeff Merrick brought this up. You listen to so many podcasts, so it could, I do, it could be anything. I do. It could be any of them. But essentially, he brought up the point that if you go back to an old. Or maybe it was Puck Soup. I don't remember. I listen there it to is. so many there hockey podcasts. Um, <laughs> but if you go way back in time, there were no ads on the boards. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. And now, and now, if you go back and watch it with no ads on the boards, it looks weird. It does. It looks weird. And that's and at a certain point in time, what you and I guess there were people that were up in arms back in the day. How could you put ads on the board? That the the ice the the rink is sacred. You can't put advertisements there. And now we look at it and it's like, no, it looks weird without it. I mean, it's it. not weird. It, it's ad. just unfamiliar. Oh, I oh, I think it looks weird is it, to not have Is it like there. walking into someone's house or apartment and all the walls are blank and you start yes, getting scared? That, that is, yeah. And the thing is, it, you get used to it. And it, honestly, like, 
I've I've seen like pictures of like really old Tottenham kits that didn't have ads on them, and it looks weird. Okay, well we we've gone far into these weeds. Do we have any other questions? Um, we I believe we do. Uh, let's go, Ducks. Ninety six, ninety six said, "How many games do you think Gibson starts?" As a percentage, how about we do as a percentage? Because right now, well, I'll give you the games because I can just do the math quickly here. I think he's going to start over half the games. If I had to say, let's see, what's 60 games out of 82? That would be 73%. So 73% of, well, we're just doing numbers live here. 73% of 56 games. So I'm going to say 40, I'm going to say 41 games he starts. I'm going to go under. Really? I no. just don't I don't I think 41 games I think 41 games is fair. Well, I just don't think they're going to have a I mean unless Miller comes back. The thing is the guy that they may pick up if they go free agency could I mean could be a, a borderline Jimmy Howard. Well, it could be a borderline starter. Um a guy who can at least play those games and I do think that again the Ducks should really be trying to spell John Gibson. This isn't me saying that he should be playing that many games. That she, He should be playing 73% of games. I just think that that's what they're going to do because they're not really going to have, I think, a backup that they can totally trust. Even if you have Ryan Miller there, they haven't used him a ton in the past. They, they've still really run John Gibson to the ground regardless. So, Actually, I have a, I have a good reasoning here for the under. Okay. There's going to be a lot of back-to-backs. They have played him in back-to-backs. <laughs> I think I think they are going to play with the condensed schedule, with back-to-backs, with it being uh, the games coming fast and heavy. I think he's going to play less than than you expect. That's fair. I mean, I could be totally wrong about that. That was just me doing kind of quick math. I could be way off there, but I think they're going to play him more than they should because that's the track record. Yeah, no, that that's definitely fair. I I think the biggest thing is just, and this is the next step. We we now have this. The next step is to get the schedule, and it wouldn't shock me if the schedule is a very tentative thing where we don't see the entire thing played out. I believe that the NBA is similar, where they don't have the entire schedule released. They have it the first part of it. No, they do. And think, then but uh, they do? Whatever. Okay, regardless. Yeah. Then, I, I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if the NHL only does part of it released at a time, but you're probably going to see, like I said, you may see the Ducks be in Minnesota for a week, play four games against the Wild, and that's their entire road trip to Minnesota. Yeah, and so you you could see that and back to backs. It's gonna be fun if you play four. It's essentially gonna be mini playoff series in a way. Yeah, because I mean, if you're playing eight games against the Wild and you're fighting against the Wild for a playoff spot, <laughs> let's just say you are eight points back of the Wild and you have four straight games against. <laughs> oh, them. oh yes. <laughs> like think about the ground that you can make up, and so I I think that maybe the games against the Kings will be spaced out a little bit more throughout the year, but I think for travel purposes. I mean, you could see the Wild basically spending an entire month in California. Yeah, I think that that's actually probably what they're going to do. It just makes more although, sense. Although the Sharks are starting the season in Arizona, so who knows what ends up happening. Well, that's also probably still why in the, the reg- schedule It's is still in the region. In I mean, it's not like it's that far. Yes, agreed. <laughs> yeah. But they, they may just do Southern California and then go back to Minnesota because, I mean, there is some long travel with the new divisions. I mean, Minnesota is not close to us. No, and so it's gonna be it's gonna be a hike to get there. It's gonna be a hike I mean, to get even, to St. Louis. Even Dallas is not that yeah. close. I mean, I think it's a four hour flight. So let's see yeah. here. Scientific Lance asks, "Are the games going to start in the evenings like last year?" So I would assume the because of TV contracts, the games are going to start typically seven p.m. 
local time. Mm-hmm. So if the Ducks are playing in Minnesota, expect it to be, what is it? They're central, so 5 p.m. Pacific. Whereas the the if any game at home would yeah, be 7 do you p.m. Think, so I, I've seen people say that, oh, they should change the they should change the start time because people are working from home now. So you don't have to worry about commuters and no, I, I do di- it seven. Yeah. I think that just seems like a needless risk to take. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, people, uh, yeah, people still have their routines. They get done with work. They cook dinner. They, they do all their things. And then seven o'clock is when they sit down to watch a game. I, I think you, I mean, that, that that's what we saw with baseball. Baseball still started local time, 7 PM, basically, or whatever the, the standard start okay. time was. And we're seeing the same thing. I with just want to also. give myself a quick correction. If any uh, aviation enthusiasts come at me, it's two hours forty five minutes from Santa Ana to Dallas Fort Worth, so it's actually not that far. It's how far is it to get to Minnesota though? To Minnesota, let's see. That's a further one because not only are you traveling that same distance east to west or west to east, you're also going north. And by the way, for those so. who aren't from Orange County, the the airport in Orange County is in Santa Ana. It's the John Wayne Airport. If you were confused by that, so right now Santa Ana to Minnesota flight time. Why can't I get it in front of me here? Taking a while. It's three hours Taking and your time. three hours and seven minutes. So it's actually not not terrible. Not terrible, but you don't want to do that a lot throughout the season. So it's not a short. Um, it's not a short flight. You know, gate no. gate to gate, it's three hour, three and a half hours. So it's, I mean, but that's that's their furthest flight, right? So <laughs> yeah, I guess that, it's not so bad. Yeah, that's going to be the furthest flight. I mean, the the East has it easy. They're the teams that have it easy. Well, if you look at a, bu- they've always had it easy, but this just makes it like a big joke now. <laughs> Well, because not even the Canadian Eastern teams have that uh, have that closeness. They they have to travel across the uh, country, and so all right. So we have let, let's end with this question: Which of the kids will take the biggest step forward this year? This is coming from our good buddy Heyo Flow. Oh, the 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 question that keeps on giving. Let's see. I'm gonna go Troy Terry. This is there this go. is the safe bet. It's there, the there's a bet. reason why I use this question to end is because of that. You you, you just want to Troy tr- Terry. He's the one that I pump, pump his tires. I think he's the one that's going to play the most, right? Yeah, and he's the one who either is going to play the most, or and or has the best case to make a step forward because we already know that they're going to give him time. They've given him a decent amount of time last year, although they sent him down inexplicably at the end of the season. Stupid. And he's got a good. He's all the stats, all the film, everything kind of points to him being, uh, I think a. A solid NHL contributor next season for Sam Steele. There's some things to like in his game. I think maybe I've painted a picture that's too bleak on him. I think he's a he's definitely shown some playmaking ability, and he's shown that he can be a contributor on the power play. But with him, I do I do just wonder if he's going to come around at five on five enough for all those things to to really materialize. So that's why I would have Terry up there, but. I'm going to give Sam Steele a little love and say that he he could potentially come up. Because outside of that, I think Contois is still going to be back and forth. I think Jones is going to settle in as a more of a depth guy. I don't know how much offensive upside he really has. I think he's more of a two-way player. I don't really consider Sonny Milano a kid. He's 24, so on this roster, that kind of ages him out of that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, do you want to say Trevor Zegras? <laughs> you, sure, you could say Trevor sure. Zegras. I mean, I think it's going to be Troy Terry, but sure, Trevor Zegras. I think those are the two right there that that will probably be in that mix. Yeah, no love for Isaac Lindstrom. Interesting. 
We'll, no. we'll, um, we'll remember that. Real quick before we check out, World Juniors start on Wednesday, so everyone get excited for Team USA there. Yeah. I, oh, a couple more things before we get out of here. A couple more things. Your prediction for which sponsor will be on the helmet of the Ducks? Well, I mean, it should be Mack Weldon. <laughs> Good answer. There we go. Good answer. There we go. There we go. <laughs> um, but seriously. No, actually. <laughs> but seriously. Um, <laughs> Sam Manuel? Yeah, it's going to be interesting because they've got a lot of options. UC Irvine Health. Honda? Honda. Yeah, Honda's probably a likely one. Uh, who can afford it is the question in this crazy economy. Um, Chick-fil-A? I'm really rooting for Chick-fil-A, to be honest. Just I have RC Cola somehow getting on there. Just to see a ridiculous Chick-fil-A on their helmet every game would be would be pretty satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in an ideal world, they'd be in and out, but they're not. A, they're not a sponsor. Hashtag. They, not a sponsor. they should be. I would love we, that. We 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 should start the the advert or the campaign to get in and out to be a sponsor of the Ducks. I tweeted it today, of, and it it got in, it got decent feedback. So I it, there's an appetite. Of, in, Instead of free Chick Fil A or free Chick Fil A sandwich, free In and Out double double uh, see, after a duck. See land. now you're 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 making me want In and Out. And speaking of burgers, I, I don't have to do a lot to make you want In and Out. Honestly, it's very easy. The, the 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 sheer mention of it makes me want In and Out. It, it's it's really bad. It's probably not a healthy thing, but whatever. Life's short. Okay, <laughs> let's uh, on a final note here to close out. We have a new logo the website we do. the the, po- we do. the podcast so i think if you're listening to this uh tomorrow i jake will they see the new logo in their podcast hopefully. feed if all things go right yes if, hopefully uh, if we'll see if the t- it's a work in progress if the technology gods uh smile down upon us then yes doing my best here it, it, it should be updated on all platforms want to give a huge shout out to our good friend john who uh designed our original logo um our new one though is uh I'm I'm in love with it. it I love it's pretty thing. great. Some people have said it looks like a burger, which I'm fine with because I love burgers, as you can tell. Oh, that that's how you got to this was In and Out, <laughs> wasn't it? Well, no, I was wow. gonna bring that. No, these two things were gonna be brought up anyway, but they they kind of made sense in hindsight. Anyway, so it's a, it's a new logo. I'm a big fan of it. It's it's on our website. You can see it on our Twitter profile, all of our social media. It's a new look, new season. We we made it through this insane year. Knock on wood, there's still 11 days left, but we made it through, uh, presumably. And going to the new season, we have a fresh new look, new things to talk about, and it's going to be a lot of fun. I am yep beyond excited, beyond I am beyond burger. So excited, yeah. <laughs> Not a sponsor. So so excited. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, <laughs> let's get out of here before things just keep devolving here. So uh... a few ways that you can support the show, and I don't have. Let's see here few ways that you can support the so jake do you know if we have any new apple podcast reviews no i i just took a look and no we do not but if you want to support the show in a way that's completely free to you you can go to apple podcast leave us a five-star review um also leave if you want to leave a review we will read it on the show but leaving us a, a rating at least helps uh, our visibility on apple podcast puts us higher if you like the show and want other people to enjoy it also leaving us a five-star review there helps out a lot because it gets the show noticed it gets it in bigger places allows us to do bigger and better things so if you want to help us out and it's also just nice for us to, to see that and read it on there yeah and if and if you want to be shouted out if you want if you want that shout out that there's a way to get it just leave us a review and we will check um, a few other ways that you can support us though we are on patreon so 
patreon.com slash crash the pond. We give you two tiers of support there. It's a, it's a monthly pledge for a dollar a month. You get access to our Discord chat, which is just for patrons. And that is that is kicking into high gear with the season approaching. What we do in there is we go in and discuss uh, breaking news. So if there's a news, for example, today coming out about the NHL, we'll get in there. If there is breaking Ducks news, we'll get in there. So, for example, during free agency, we were going crazy in that chat. It was a lot of fun. Memorable, to say the you, least. You, you got to see my mental breakdown about the Derek Grant signing. So uh, that was, hope you all I really that. wish someone had like screen captured, did a screen recording of that happening just, just to see... I want, I want someone to, to have a screen recording of that with just like a depressing music overlay. <laughs> it would be pretty great. Anyway, um, so you get access to that. And as this, so once the season starts, and this is something that we've done in the past, which we will bring on back here, we will have an in-game live chat. So while we're watching the game, it's like you're texting your buddy about the game that you're watching, except this time you have a bigger community, all diehard fans, and we're going to be breaking down the action and just... You'll hear us groaning about penalty killing, decisions, uh, calls, whatever the case may be. It'll it'll be a lot of fun. Now, for $5 a month, you get access to that chat still, and you get access to two bonus episodes a month. So on those podcasts, we go more in-depth on whether it be a league-wide topic, whether it be a Ducks topic. We really kind of get to explore subjects that, or even if they're the same subject that we talk about here or something a little more in depth, we just get to spend more time really flesh it out on these shows. We're trying to hit all the news. We're trying to hit different items. So it's a quicker pace. So if you want a more nuanced conversation and if you enjoy maybe the banter, the lighter side of this show, you will definitely get that in spades <laughs> on that show. There's, yep. there's also some star Wars talk. Jake may have set a record yesterday on our Did most I? recent for just the amount Did of time I? that one person could speak in a row. It was impressive. Hey, I, I, it, I, it legitimately I had a may, lot to say. I had a lot. It to say. legitimately may have been like twelve minutes just straight, which you is know? totally fine. Totally fine we, with me. Yeah, and we we should clarify what we did. So the Patreon episode for anyone who's a patron, it's out now. Go take a listen to it. The the we did talk about the ducks. Don't worry, we did. We, we talked some hockey in the beginning. That that is there. And then we did a full-on dive into every episode of The Mandalorian from this past season, and I did a, a little bit of a recap on each episode little, just, and did just, some just dives a into bit. some characters. Just, just a little just, bit. Just, just a wee bit. It was fun. We had a good time. It was you, me, and CJ on that, and it was a lot of fun. So make sure to check that out. Also, just going to tease us, we may be adding a tier to Patreon, uh, may test out something, and may end up including it into a new tier. So keep your eyes peeled on that if you're a current patron or if you're thinking about joining we may have a new tier out there with some new stuff in it in addition to what we uh, currently have yes and jake do you want to let them know how they can save a little money if they want to be a longer term supporter yes so if you are someone who is already a patron or if you're looking to do it there's actually a way you can do an annual subscription so if you want to do the five dollar tier if you know you want that you know enjoy it you can do it for a full year instead of paying on the monthly you just do a full year subscription you save 10 percent on your your membership so you instead of being it would come out to about 60 bucks total for over the course of the year it comes out to 54 bucks yep so save a little money support your favorite podcast i I see that as a complete win-win. Other ways you can support mm -hmm. the show, we already talked about Apple Podcasts. We are on YouTube, youtube.com slash crash the pond. Really fun little forum that we've developed there. People get in the comments. We respond. Well, Jake responds. And so if you're on YouTube, make sure to subscribe to us and you can see our faces, pretty question mark faces. 
and uh, you get more of a visual element there, especially in our Twitch chat when Jake is bringing up uh, different charts and things of that nature. You can see that on YouTube afterwards. Uh, so make sure to subscribe and also turn on your notifications so that you know as soon as we're uploading there. Now, a couple different ways. Uh, we are also on Spotify. All Really, all of your podcast platforms we are present on. Make sure to check out our website, crashthepond.com, and then on social media, at crashthepond on Twitter, also on Facebook. Jake is on Twitter. At Reindeer Games oh. 91. Real quick, got two articles in the hopper. They're scheduled to go for this week, so keep an eye out for that. Yep, yep, there you go. Good plug there. And I am on Twitter at Felix underscore Sicard. And that will do it for our show today, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And to everybody that has stuck around with us, we'll get maybe more sentimental in the next pod since it's almost going to be the end of the year. But thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for making it through this tough year with lack of news. We're going to give you all of that back once the season starts and more. So stick around and it's going to get even more fun. Talk to you soon. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all. Bye. Bye.